Welcome to C3 Church, Queen's Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. I'm going to jump right in. I'm Nicole, the pastor here. Um, yes, some of you might not know that. <laughs> I've introduced myself. 2021 is a season where God is speaking to us about being disciples, ones who follow him and making disciples. So what we have experienced in God and in his kingdom, we can model and replicate to others around us. As you've seen me do, emulate and copy, Jesus said in John 14, 12, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Paul says in Philippians 4, 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. So we want to be good role models, don't we, if we're saying copy and do everything that I do, <laughs> put that into practice. And if we want to be mature role models in this world, mature Christians, there's an analogy that is used in the Bible so many times for maturity, and that is that God wants us to be tall, strong trees that are large, that are established and positioned in the right place and are fruitful in all that they do. And that verse that Eden read at the beginning was spot on. And Psalm 1, you would have heard this a few times in the last month. Tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither, whatever they do prospers. So as trees, we want to be providing shade, fruit and seed for others. It's just not all about us, is it? And everything originates from seed. Seed is the original life force. Human life begins with seed. All the plant life begins with seed. And Genesis 1.29, God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it, they will be yours for food. And in the Hebrew language, the word for seed is zira. And it doesn't just describe a plant. A seed is anything that produces new life. So a zero seed also refers to human offspring or descendants. And we see that this in Genesis 22, when God says to Abraham, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So plant life comes from seeds. Human life comes from seed. And another life-giving source, our spiritual life source, our seed is the word of God. It has the potential to grow and develop into an extraordinary spiritual life force. And if you want to be spiritually amazing trees and prosper and grow, who are always flourishing, thriving, prospering, that's what we want, right? It has to start with a seed. And Jesus used this allegory when he shared the parable of the sower and the seed. The word parable comes from the idea to set alongside. And Jesus used parables... The idea was to set a spiritual truth alongside a daily truth of living. So this parable of the seed is an allegory about the kingdom of God. In other words, it can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. Everything in the story represents something else. And this parable is in three of the four Gospels. It's not in John because John didn't write any parables. I didn't realise that until this week. Um, in this parable, it's a growth one, Jesus describes something they were all familiar with, a farmer casting seed on the ground and the seed falling into different soil types. So we're going to read from Mark 
4:13. That same day, Jesus went out to the out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, "A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places." where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 and 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It wasn't that the farmer stupidly or carelessly sowed the seeds, some seed fell on the pathway by accident, but most of the seed was sown on the, gra- on the ground that was ploughed after the seed was cast. So therefore, we didn't know where the rocks were or where there might be thorns that would grow. In verse 10, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing they do not hear, see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So by quoting this passage in Isaiah 6, 9, Jesus explained why he used parables. In teaching by parables, Jesus offered his hearers the opportunity to dig deep and find truth. So parables have this spiritual function. They're more than riddles or puzzles and they're different than easy illustrations. They can be understood by those who have the right key. So a parable isn't exactly an illustration. A good teacher can illustrate by stating a truth and illustrating that with analogy. But when Jesus used parables, he didn't start by stating the truth. Instead, the parable was like a doorway. Jesus' listeners stood in the doorway and heard him. And if they were interested, if they were not interested, they could stay outside. If they were interested... They could walk through the doorway, think about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their lives. If you don't understand the key to the parable, you don't understand it at all. We can imagine what different people in Jesus' audience might have thought when they heard this parable with no explanation. None of them could understand the spiritual meaning until Jesus explained the key to them, and that was, the sower sows the word. If you miss the key, you miss the whole parable. If you think the seed represents money, you miss the parable. If you think the seed represents love, you miss the parable. If you think the seed represents hard work, you miss the parable. You can only understand it by understanding the key, which is the sower sows the word. He says then, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, 
the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So this is called the parable of the seed, but probably should be called the parable of the heart or parable of the soil. Because here Jesus is referring to four different soils, four different heart types. And he's, it's, the difference... Oh, sorry. That's, um, the difference is never the seed, but the kind of soil that it falls on. And it's by preaching that the seed is sown. You can study the seed, you can categorise the seed, you can analyse the seed, you can know the seed, you can even love it, but if you don't sow it, nothing will grow. If the seed is the word, then every preacher must be sure that they are sowing good seed. In our own devotional time, we need to regularly be sowing that good word into our life. In the parable of the soils, Jesus wanted to reveal to us the human heart and its response to the word of God. In other words, he gives us the four different examples of how the human heart will often respond to the word of God. So he starts out with a heart that is very hard. And some people are like the ground of the pathway. This was hard ground because people walked on it all the time and beat it into a path or a road. And people who are like the wayside are hard to the word of God. The seed, which is the word of God, falls on the path and the birds of the air just come and eat it and the seeds are just taken right off. And it's important to see that Satan does not want the word of God to take root in people's hearts. He knows how powerful it is. And so like a swooping bird, he comes down and he snatches the seed to remove that seed from the soil of the person's heart. And that's his preferred result. And he wants to keep the word from ever having a place in a person's life so that they will never be fruitful to God. It's as if someone's sitting under the preaching of the gospel and it doesn't penetrate their heart at all. It's like hitting their eardrums and just bouncing off. and never penetrates and they walk away unaffected by the word of the gospel and they allow no room for the seed of the word in their lives and this represents people who hear the word but never really believe then there's the shallow heart where there's rock underneath and the seed falls on the rock stony ground and it germinates immediately it just shoots up because it doesn't spend the time putting the roots down they don't go down deep. And see, a seed in deep soil will put its energy towards the roots, while the seed in shallow ground has no choice but to put its effort into the growth of the plant above the ground. So it can look okay at first. But as the sun comes out and the persecution happens and because the word didn't have a deep root in their heart, the plant shrivels up under persecution. The stony ground here isn't attacked directly by Satan, but tribulation or persecution, those trials we go through, affects them. And Jesus knew that many have an immediately f a favourable response to the word, but they give up quickly when it becomes difficult to follow Jesus. So some professing Christians have no root in themselves. Their root is in their parents 
or their religious traditions or their experiences in their Christian friends or they're relying on their pastor. I'm going to come and give you the word every week but they're not getting anything for themselves. And that might be about their enthusiastic surroundings. They're at a church. Like, Woo, I'm having so much fun here. This is great. But this signifies the people who hear the word of God and receive it with joy, but because there's no root to sustain them, they wither. And they haven't developed those spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about or their personal relationship with Jesus, with him at the centre. And their roots haven't been dug deep. Those deep pathways haven't been forged. Another kind of soil Jesus tells us about, another kind of human heart is the crowded heart. And that's the seed that falls on the ground where weeds choke out its growth. So in the plant kingdom, weeds in the soil will compete for space, nutrients, water and light. And as they grow their root systems, weeds will spread as they begin to require greater amounts of water and nutrients. The word of God grows there, but so does everything else. <laughs> and everything else soon begins to crowd out the word of God. And slowly and surely, these people, busy with cares and riches of the world, they just lose interest in the things of God. They say, yes, I believe and I want to live according to this gospel, but then the thorns and the cares of the world rise up and just choke it out. When I was at uni, I did science as my major, and we had a project where we needed to grow everlastings, and we were going to do all these tests on them and monitor them and, you know, look at the data. So I was determined, because I've told you before, I'm not very good at growing plants, so I'm like, I am going to do really well. I, every day I was at uni, I went and checked these plants, and it seemed like straight away these plants came up, these seeds came up, and I was like, awesome. Then a little bit later, some other things came, like, they must be weeds, and I pulled them all out. And I cultivated these things, and they were absolutely awesome. Then I took them, and I was really focused, like, this is going to be great. So I took them to my lecture, and he goes, um, you've cultivated a whole lot of weeds. Those other ones you were pulling out were the plants, the everlastings. <laughs> I'm like, I have no data for my... <laughs> so luckily I had some friends who hadn't been as diligent as me growing their weeds. They had actually just grown their everlastings, and I was able to use their data. Now, I had really good intentions. I really thought that I was focusing on the right things, but no, I wasn't. I didn't know <laughs> what I was doing. I'd cultivated the wrong seeds, and it wasn't good. It wasn't fruitful. <laughs> and in the human heart, Jesus mentions four weeds that compete for our heart affection, our spiritual nutrients, and our time. So the cares of the world, the Greek word is marinma, meaning to divide the mind, Donates, denotes distractions, anxieties, burdens and worries. I think we've all had a few of those at times. <laughs> it can be traditions and religious mindsets. It can be our jobs that we get so focused on those. It can be wrong relationships, just stressed about the house and the bills and all those distractions, which can also lead to anxiety and fear. The second one is deceitfulness of riches, and the Greek word is opate, meaning deceit or deceitfulness, akin to cheat and beguile. And that which gives a false impression, whether by appearance, statement or influence. And I thought, well, that sounds a bit like me to us, our comfort and our leisure. And then we had the desire for other things. So that can be materialism, comfort, relationships, status. And the pressures of life, 
We're always going to have those temptations, the sin. There's that pleasure of life, wanting the entertainment, wanting the comfort, and putting those above the things of God. And the person begins to get distracted by the money or the pursuit of power or by the pursuit of worldly pleasures. And before long, the plant that grew out of the seed of the word just shrivels up and dies, crowded out. Finally, yay, Jesus talks about the deep, fertile soil where there is a fruitful heart that receives the word. The word of the gospel goes down into the soil and it sends down deep roots, a deep foundation into the soil, grabs on and begins to get nourished by the soil. The plant sprouts up and begins to produce fruit and that's the kind of life Jesus says that we ought to have. This believer understands and believes the word holds onto it when it and they are tested. They tend their own heart for weeds and get rid of those weeds of their own heart of affections contrary to the word. Endures with patience and out of that comes the harvest, 30, 60 and 100. And that's the kind of response you ought to have to the gospel, not where it gets choked out, not when it gets shriveled up by persecution, not one that really doesn't care and has no penetration at all but one that receives the word, lets the roots go down deep, begins to get nourished and then creates fruit. So the seed falls on good ground and the plant produces a rich harvest. They accept the word, bear fruit, thus fulfilling the purpose of the seed. This parable shows us that when the word is received as it should be, something happens fruit is produced. If nothing happens, then the word is not being received as it should be. We are the ones that determine what kind of soil our hearts will be. We decide, are we going to have a hard heart, a shallow heart, a crowded heart or a receptive heart? And this is what James means when he says in James 1, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Of the seed that fell on the good ground, all of it produced, right? But not all produced to the same degree. Every seed was the same. Every soil had the same access to the seed and had the same potential for fruitfulness. But the word of God cannot work in our lives unless we have receptive hearts. We determine the effectiveness of what we hear and whether we allow it to penetrate. We decide if we're going to nurture it and provide the optimum environment for it to prosper or, and be fruitful. 30, 60 or 100 fold. So here's some ways to make our seed more fruitful. Do a regular heart check, right? Pray this, test me Lord and try me, examine my heart and my mind. We can speak this verse any time to ask him to show us where we need to change our lives. His spirit will convict us of the areas that need attention. And it's easier than you think to end up with soil that's a bit unbalanced or a bit poor. We have the option of deciding to pay attention to his words and do what he says or not. So have a look. Is your heart hard? A hardened path of intolerance or an unforgiving nature may border the fertile heart soil. And hard hearts need to be ploughed up before they can receive the seed. This can be a painful experience. And I love what Hosea 10 says, Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love 
and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes. Let's not put it off. Now is the time. You know, from time to time, we do accumulate rocks and weeds in our life. The good soil of our hearts may give generously to the poor, but the thorny or rocky patches chokes out time for praising him or the acts of service that come to our attention. So it's important that we till or rake the soil. If we keep our hearts tilled and well, you know, in a good place with his word, it'll be easier to break up those hard-packed areas, those hard obstacles, to see those rocks. Maybe it's oversensitivity. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's offence. Maybe it's just an apathy that we've allowed to come in. We need to remove thorns and weeds. Reduce the materialism and the distractions. Deal with those sin areas that would come into our life and, and choke off the word of God and entangle us. When we are planted near streams of water, streams of righteousness, the branches of our fellow believers provide shade for us and we stop getting parched by the sun. We have that water. We drink in the water of the Holy Spirit. We have the washing of the word. We wash away the dirt and the sin. When we're reading the word of God, we know what is right and wrong when we know our Bible. And then we are established in the house of God. We need nutrients to be nourished, to hear the word and to meditate on it. Meditate means like to chew it. And it's like a cow chewing the cud. It savours the grass in its mouth and it fills the stomach. Then it sits and it's revolting, but it quietly regurgitates it and it reworks it in its mouth again and it swallows it again. And it does sound gross, but that process transforms the grass into rich, creamy milk. And as we meditate on the Word of God, we take it from our mind down into our heart for prayer. And it becomes milk and it's sustenance that we need to draw from. In our house churches, in our connect groups, we discuss the Word of God that we're reading that's being preached. And you hear other people share their revelations, share their challenges, insight, wisdom. We hear what the Holy Spirit is illuminating to others through the Word. And that's being discipled. That's part of that important process. And when we look in the Bible, when we're reading His Word, it's like a mirror. And we look and we think, oh, I need to have some correction here. There needs to be an alignment. I'm not aligning. I'm not, I need to change. And we need to align with what he wants us to be. We want to grow in God. We want to be fruitful to be more like him from glory to glory, it says in his word. And like Pantene, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. <laughs> so what do we need to do? We need to be patient. We need to remember the waiting game, don't we, Eden? Yes. <laughs> James 5. Therefore, be patient, brethren. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Oh, all right then. <laughs> Sounds so easy, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, not one of my strong points. <laughs> fruit on trees takes time, as does spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. 
Imagine if there was. You just broke the law. You have just been too joyful. You have just been too kind. You've been had too much self-control. You've broken the law. There's no law against it. So let the fruit go and flourish in your life. So what seeds are we planting if we find ourselves the opposite of these? If we're angry, if we're anxious, if we're unkind, mean, gossipy, harsh with people, intolerant, not reliable in the things of God or in our daily life, undisciplined and lazy, then we can trace it back to the seeds that we've been sowing in our heart. They're not the seeds from the word of God. In Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. To come back to the basics. And when we plant his word in fertile, rich soil, it can grow deep roots. And that brings forth an abundant crop of peace, blessings, joy and love. The healthy, deep roots make us, help us to make better choices and guide our actions so we actually reflect Jesus. Dig into his word. Plant and nurture the seed that he gives you. So how does our discipleship community work in, fit into this? In our discipleship community, we support one another. It holds us accountable. We share insights and experiences to encourage and teach us. That is such an important thing about house, church and connect groups. It challenges us. Being in a community, there's times when we challenge to prune different areas of our life. If we need it, we're like grafted onto more mature plants and we receive from them until we are stronger. It encourages us to run to God, not from him during tough times. You know, some Christians find themselves in nations where they can't access God's word or they face persecution for their faith. They don't have that. And sometimes we also have difficult seasons where we face chronic illness, deep grief, heartbreak, and we don't have the strength or the opportunity to dig deep and take in the word of God for ourselves. So God and his fellow family of believers can be there for us. Um, Matthias emailed Pastor Jason M. after their Defiant Flourishing Preachers last month, and so just got a slide to show here, because he's quite an expert in this field of trees and stuff. You can talk to him afterwards. So the spruce trees, um, have we got that? They're vibrant, it's it's like a vibrant river with the tall green trees next to it and the majestic mountains in the background. And these are in Yosemite Valley in California. Now, as beautiful as this image is, in the winter, this becomes a very harsh place with fierce storms and ice-cold conditions. So these trees need to withstand the harsh forces of nature. The image shows can we see the spruce and sequoia trees with the latter being amongst the oldest trees in the world and you would think these trees must be firmly and deeply anchored in the ground deeply rooted next to the river and the storms but they actually only have shallow roots so how does this work yosemite valley is a former glacial valley and most of the soil is scraped away so there aren't even deep soils where trees could root deep this is often bare rock so how do they survive in this harsh environment? Their strategy is being flexible in the wind and more importantly, they are connected via their shallow root system. They weave their roots between each other, which makes them a giant network of roots much larger than a single individual allowing to withstand most storms. 
It's a wonderful image for us as a church that even in times we might not be deeply rooted as a new believer or if you live in circumstances that don't allow for that, facing difficult, extenuating circumstances, the community of the church with all its gifts, talents, prayer, compassion, love, help provides a safe place for individuals in otherwise harsh environment. As our roots are entwined to carry the load, we can lift up the weary arms and support one another through the trials of that season. We want to be flexible. We want to be connected. Then there's an acacia tree. This is the one that um, Pastor Jace used in his message. And it's truly a deeply rooted species and you would find many similar in the drier parts of Australia. The tree is not situated near a river, but via its root system accesses water deep in the subsurface. The area around that was rather sparsely vegetated. I doubt you could see any young plants at all. This tree survives under harsh environmental conditions, but young ones can't even get started. So this is only possible because the seed, the tree started to grow under different conditions. These trees mainly originate from a season hundreds of years ago when it was wetter than currently the case. The tree invested in its root system when the times allowed for it. It did the right thing during good times. A tree will always follow the water. When the water table falls, the root follows the water. If the tree is strong enough, they invest when times are good and they keep the connection to the water when times are worse. And this allows them to survive and partly thrive when others are already dead. So we often cry out to God when things are bad, when we need help or when we hope God interacts in our favour. But we sometimes miss out because we haven't invested when the times were good. It's hard for us to invest in the middle of suffering and pain or bad circumstances, though we do know we grow through those. We may not have much left to invest in growth. All we can do is hang on and pray that God helps us through this situation. But let's grab a hold of the word while we have the opportunity and while we're in a good place. It builds stores and strength in preparation for when the challenges come, and they will. How do we do that? Attend church, be part of house church and connect group week in and week out. We see people come to church when they need something or they hit rock bottom. They need a job. They've got a broken relationship. They're feeling the pain of their bad decisions. Or they only go to the prayer meetings we provide when they're in desperate need. Then once their need is met or they're disillusioned because they didn't get the instant result that they were praying and hoping for, they didn't like the waiting game, they stop praying, they stop coming along and fellowshipping. As farmers, pastors and leaders, we are going to God who provides all seed generously and asking what he has for all of you. We provide weekly church services here and also in house churches where in-depth discipleship can take place. We give you access to many resources from new version plans, study tips, relationship tools like marriage grit and family grit, um, we parenting grit. We have prayer meetings. We have prayer meetings in person before church here every Sunday. We have them online on Instagram Live every Tuesday morning. We pray in house church. We pray in connect groups. You can have personal and prayer ministry anytime you want. We have 24-hour prayer meetings, but you have to receive all there is to offer. It's frustrating for leaders. You know, the congregation come, oh, I've got this struggle, and I'm like, yeah, pity you didn't come to the prayer meeting we had last weekend. That would have been good. They take advantage of that window opportunity when it was there. Because like that tree, 
want to take that opportunity for the seed to be established and set up for that strength like the acacia did. How would we encounter the identical bad situation, the sickness of suffering, if we'd invested in those deep roots beforehand like the tree? If we'd stayed connected to that deep table water of living water during and after the circumstance, if we continually sowed and watered the word of God every day. The farmer tends the soil regularly and he sows seed, not just as a one-off, but regularly in season. He knows he will reap what he sows and he will only reap if he has sown. Prepare the soil now while we have the opportunity. Remove anything that will prohibit fruitfulness. Be flexible to withstand the storms. Stay connected with other like-minded believers. Hear the word and do it. <laughs> keep sowing and keep reaping, and you'll keep reaping because you know you will reap a harvest if you just keep sowing. And Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. After the waiting period, in due time, in his time. Let's stand, let's pray. So everyone just close their eyes. Just take this time. We're going to search our hearts. The first step about having good soil is having your heart ready to live your best life is to ask Jesus, the giver of life, to come into your heart, to remove those negative things, those blockages, those things holding you back. Sin, unforgiveness, bitterness, self-reliance. And he can do this because, as we heard in communion today, he died on the cross in our place. He took our sin. He was buried, but he was resurrected. We celebrate this in Easter over the next couple of weeks. We celebrate our risen Saviour. And we can come to him and we can say, I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. I want to give my life to you. I want you to have control. So if you feel like that's where you're at today, you need to make that decision, open up your heart and say, come in and be in my heart, Jesus. Or maybe you have in the past had that intimate relationship but you've walked away and you want to get close to him again, just pop your hand up now so I can see that. We can pray a prayer. Thank you, mighty God. And the next thing is right now, let's examine our hearts, our soil type. Maybe you feel like your heart has been hard. Maybe there's been some unforgiveness, offence, some legalism. Just while every eye is closed, just pop your hand up. Just not so much so I can see, but just to the Lord. Just say, yeah, that's me. I want to get rid of that now. Thank you, mighty God. And pop your hands down. Maybe for you, you feel like there's some rocks in there, some materialism or distraction. Maybe it's been like, too much distraction with social media, gaming, might be porn, it might be things pulling away from relationships or things of God. If that's you, just pop your hand up. Just show the Lord, say, yeah, I want this change now. 
Awesome hand. Thank you. Pop your hands down. For those that um, might feel like some thorns or weeds that have got in there, you've been carrying some cares, you feel felt anxious, maybe you felt some self-pity, maybe work has become an idol, maybe you're looking at ways of escape. That's you, just put your hand up. Say, yep, Lord, I want those things to shift. Thank you, mighty God. And right now, if you'd like to have more fruitfulness in your life, if you want to be more like Christ, if you just say, yes, Lord, work on my heart, I want to be more like you, just put your hand up now. Amen. That's what we want to see. Every hand up in the place. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray. God, we surrender our hearts to you now. God, you know our soil type, our how our heart is. And right now we pray that you soften and you remove the hardness, God, where that thing needs watering, where it needs removing. You do your work. You say that you take a heart of stone and you replace it with a heart of flesh. We pray you do a work right now, Lord, as we come and we surrender to you. God, we just pray for you to rake and till our hearts, to remove any rocks, anything that is not of you. We pray for weeds to be removed, for those things that have been distractions. We pray, Lord, that you fertilize those areas that are good. Help us to refocus, to reset, to align ourselves with you and the word of God. God, I pray for a passion for your word, that we would love your word, Lord. And as we do that, we would see the fruits of the spirit, not the flesh, growing in us, getting stronger and stronger as we go from glory to glory to be more like you. God, help us to connect with others in discipleship community. Right now, I really feel to pray for people who have... um, it's almost like a confusion and a frustration. There's been, it's brought anxiety where you've um, had tormenting words. There's been, your thoughts are just on things that are not of God, even leading to anxiety. There's worries, there's relationship issues. Right now, just release them to Jesus. God, I pray in the next day and week, Lord, that you would remind us how to take our thoughts captive how to refocus on you, to refocus on your word, to use the word powerfully, to take down those strongholds, to have freedom in our world as we remove the things that are not of you and we fill them with your word, with your spirit, with your life. God, we're praying for breakthrough in this area now for each and every person. You know if that's you. This is just such a, an exhortation from God. That's what you're to do this week. Study his word and renew your mind, take captive those thoughts that are not from him and speak the life-giving word, that seed into your heart for your breakthrough and your freedom in him. Thank you, mighty God. God, every day we choose to dig deep in you. God, let us be prepared for the unexpected, that when those trials come, we are not inflexible, we are not knocked over, we, we are ready in you and we have our roots entwined and a support system in place so that we are strong and fruitful in all that we do. God, I pray more of you, less of us as we grow from glory to glory in you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's be not just hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. If there's something there that really gelled with you today, meditate on it regurgitate it, meditate on it, and let it become life-sustaining sustenance and milk as you grow.
Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give. 